Welcome, welcome, welcome to another awesome episode of the podcast was good podcast by the Crimson Quarry Network. Boy, do we have a ton to talk about this week. Really exciting stuff to talk about too. Um, first, joining me as always, Austin. Austin, how did you celebrate Indiana being a top 25 team this Sunday? Oh man, um, it was it was great. Um, I don't want to go into specifics here on the pod, but maybe we can talk off pod about the, uh, the celebration. But uh, <laughs> let's just say it was a good time. Good good times had all around. I uh, partook in some Kidoba and danced around all happily. Got visions of uh, Indiana possibly being mentioned on the college football playoff uh, ranking show. And then or, uh, saw that committee chair Rob Mullen said that there wasn't, uh, quote, Indiana, we didn't go into a great discussion about them because they weren't on the board. Uh, a sincere F you to the college football playoff committee and because only because I want to keep this peachy. Um, but we're, I'm not even going to let them get me down because Indiana is ranked for the first time in 25 years. Austin, I think I know the answer to this, but what were you doing in 1994? Um, I'm not going to go into great detail about that because I wasn't born yet. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. You can imagine was. where I was during that period of time. <laughs> I was, yeah. This is really going to date some of our listeners because I was three, and the furth- furthest thing from my mind was Indiana football. Uh, but here we are. That's the top thing on our minds today. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna finally talk about some bowl projections now that. Things are kind of clearing up. We're going to preview Penn State, and then we're going to talk about a couple other sports, as we always do after the break. But before we dive in, I want to do the obvious quick plug. Subscribe if you aren't already. Uh, we're on iTunes, um, Megaphone, wherever you, you find your podcast, we're there. Uh, if you can, leave a rating and review. helps us out a ton. This uh, podcast has really taken off, and... Uh, we're really excited that all of you guys have been listening to us throughout the season. So we're going to first uh, talk a little bit about some bowl projections because this was surprisingly one of the first weeks that I uh, really started looking at them. It seemed a little bit other than like uh, kind of wishful thinking. It seemed at least to me a little silly to start looking that far ahead, but we have a pretty good idea at this point of who's going to be bowl eligible and who isn't. And so I'm just going to kind of do this from, from the top down to give you an idea of where IU can go, probably won't go, and where they're kind of projected right now. So uh, the Big Ten has ties with the um, – obviously Ohio State is probably going to go to the college football playoff which really helps Indiana because that kind of slides everybody up a notch. Um, they also have a tie technically with the Orange Bowl. They'll take the highest ranked Big Ten or SEC team. I would imagine um, that will be an SEC team because everybody in the SEC is ranked. Um, so 
what we're probably looking at for Big Ten teams is obviously the Rose Bowl. Um, we'll kind of give you a little rundown of where things stand right now. If Ohio State goes to the football playoff, um, Minnesota or Wisconsin, whoever they meet in the Big Ten title game will go to the Rose Bowl. I would say Minnesota probably has the inside track right now. Um, which the next would be the Citrus Bowl. The next two, I'll, I'll put them together, the Citrus and the Outback Bowl. Um, a lot of these bowls have agreements where they have five different teams in six years to avoid overlap or having the same team come in over and over. Wisconsin has already been to the Outback Bowl within the last six years. So odds are they probably go to the Citrus Bowl, um, which would leave someone like most likely Penn State to go to the Outback Bowl. Uh, then you have the <laughs> these bowl names. San Diego Country Credit Union Holiday Bowl, um, which there's a lot of teams that can't go to that, which almost makes it an easy choice. Uh, right now, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Wisconsin all uh, most likely will not be going to that bowl, which kind of slots Michigan perfectly into that, which brings us to the bowl that seems most common for Indiana to be projected to, and the one that kind of makes the most sense right now, um, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, which is uh, a Big Ten team against an SEC team. Um, right now, that's where, for example, Sports Illustrated has them going. It uh, has them playing Texas A&M. That's where our own Bennett had us going. I think he had us playing Kentucky, um, which would be a ton of fun. So that is, for right now, most likely where we're headed. Um, the way that that can kind of shake up is if IU upsets um, Penn State or Michigan, and we kind of mentioned those two are, are Citrus Bowl, Outback Bowl, Holiday Bowl. Those are the three kind of Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan are at right now. If IU can break into that group, then they will they – will most likely find themselves in one of those bowl games, which is kind of a tier up for your level of competition. That's going to be a really good SEC team that you're playing. Well, the Holiday Bowl is a Pac-12 team, and nobody is good in the Pac-12 this year. Uh, but the Outback Bowl and the Citrus Bowl are probably going to be SEC teams. Um, the only two that IU can't go to are the only two bowl games we've had in recent years. It'd be the Pinstripe Bowl, and the Red Box Bowl. Um, the Red Box Bowl is what was formerly known as the Foster Farms Bowl, which is where we played Utah. And nobody wants to talk about the last time we were in the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, I would be very surprised if we went back to the Red Box Bowl because sending IU out west again, especially when we will have at least one more win, most likely two more wins than we did last time we were there, would be a pretty big slap in the face. I would say you're looking at somebody like Illinois, maybe Iowa, something like that, going out to the Red Box Bowl, because um, Iowa cannot go to the Pinstripe Bowl. I would recommend just searching bowl tie-ins. A lot of the places will give you an idea of who um, 
can and can't go to certain bowls. And honestly, it, it starts basically just falling into place if you just start doing process of elimination um, as to where teams will go and, and whatnot. So right now I would say Indiana's best bet is the Gator Bowl, which would be in Jacksonville on January 2nd uh, on ESPN and primetime, which I'm 100% here for. Um, that was a lot of information, a lot of me talking. Austin, what would be your thoughts on going to the Gator Bowl and, and just kind of this, what bowls do you want to see IU get into? Buddy, if Indiana goes to the Gator Bowl, I'm going to be over the moon because um, I, I lived in Jacksonville for seven-ish years throughout, you know, when I was growing up and I haven't been back there in a while and I would love to go back and I would love to see the Hoosiers playing in Jacksonville. Um, it's kind of, I, I think I've tweeted this a couple times, but that's kind of like best case scenario for me. I, I would just be so happy to go to the Gator Bowl. Obviously, if they can land in the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl or the Holiday Bowl, that would be great. That's kind of a tear up, like you said. And uh, Pinstripe Bowl and the Red Box Bowl, obviously, Indiana shouldn't be going there. If they did, it wouldn't be nearly as good because, you know, it's those are bowls that a six-win Indiana team went to. And if you're telling me that an eight-win Indiana team should be going to the same bowl as a six-win Indiana team, I, I'm not sure how to take that. It, it kind of feels like a disappointment, even though I, I know it's crazy to say that Indiana going to any bowl game is a disappointment, but... I really think that going to one of those bottom three pinstripe red box quick lane, that's, that's a disappointment at this stage. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, you do want to keep things in perspective. Indiana is going bowling. It's hard to complain in general about a, uh, what bowl we go to, but also you want rewarded for the season that you've had. And, this season is much different than the seasons IU had the last two times they were in bowl games, um, where they were six and six going into them. IU should be eight and four, assuming they beat Purdue and knock on wood. Um, they'll be favored in that game. So at the very least, you're looking at an eight and four team that has a totally different feel to it than those teams. So yeah, I would be disappointed, a little upset if we went to either the Pinstripe Bowl or the Red Box Bowl. Um, like I said, it would take an upset to get into the Outback Bowl or the, uh, Citrus Bowl, but kind of segueing into what is coming up this week, it's Punt Week, and there is a chance for an upset, um, and I think a, a pretty decent chance than what I would have originally guessed. Penn State looked like, uh... Look like one of the kind of, I don't want to know necessarily elite in the Big Ten, but one of the best teams in the Big Ten with Ohio State and then goes into Minnesota and loses, surprisingly. I will admit I was wrong about Minnesota, as I think a lot of people were. Um, Minnesota was legit, hung with Penn State, and came away with a win, um, which leaves Penn State coming in with their first loss of the season, 8-1 and overall, 
I don't want to say stumbling a bit, but certainly not flying high. Uh, before we dive into any specifics, what was your thoughts on that Penn State-Minnesota game, and do you think that kind of plays it all into this game? I was surprised, frankly, because I didn't buy into Minnesota either. I thought that Penn State should have won last week, and I thought that they should have done it rather handily. Uh, to see Minnesota beat them like that, I I was very impressed. Um, Minnesota was clearly a better team. Uh, I, I think that James Franklin and his staff straight up got outcoached by the Minnesota staff. Uh, P.J. Fleck and his crew did a great job game planning for the Nittany Lions. Um, it just, yeah, I, the Penn State offense couldn't get anything going early. Sean Clifford struggled. It, I was really impressed with what the Gophers were able to do and – my optimism about how good Penn State was kind of died down a little bit. Which is good news for us because we get to play uh, that Penn State team that we're not quite as optimistic about. Um, we will start off on the offensive side. Um, I will say, if you haven't already, we did a um, Q&A with... Bill DiFilippo, um, of Roar Lions Roar and talk to him a little bit about, uh, about that loss and about what went wrong for Penn State and kind of where they go from here. I think it's worth noting a point he made, um, in the piece in the last two seasons, he noted when Penn State lost an emotional game, which both times was to Ohio State, they came out the following week, looked flat, and lost both times to Michigan State. So this is a team that in previous years has kind of had letdowns after those losses. Um, that can be both good and bad. The difference is Indiana has not played well in Happy Valley. Uh, as many of you probably remember playing Saquon Barkley there a few years ago. That did not go well. One of the worst quarters I can remember IU playing that first quarter, and that is saying something for IU football. Um, we'll start offensively where this Penn State team is very, very good. Uh, they currently, S&P has them as the eighth best offense. As you said, they struggled to get started last week, but um, they still put up plenty of points. Um, and made the game interesting late. Uh, it was a defense that couldn't really get enough stops. 31-26. Um, this offense has a couple big weapons. How explosive, how dangerous is this offense? This offense is one of my favorite groups in the entire Big Ten, just to watch straight up. Uh, I think that Sean Clifford, he's not the best passer in the Big Ten, because if you think of anybody other than Justin Fields, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, uh, but Sean Clifford, I think, is right there at two, three. Uh, he's in the same ballpark in terms of production as Michael Penix Jr., I think, a healthy Michael Penix Jr. Um, Clifford's a guy who typically doesn't make mistakes. Uh, last week he did, which is why things went so poorly for him, but Usually, if he's firing on all cylinders, 
He can hurt you, you know, all kinds of different ways. He can also, he's not a, a great runner, but he can run. Uh, he will hurt you in that way. Um, I, I think that Bill made a really good point that he's still trying to work his way into, you know, being the, the full-time quarterback and replacing Trace McSorley and whatnot. And because of that, he's still making some mistakes that uh, a less experienced guy will make. Like, at times he will lock in on his his best playmakers and he'll tr- he'll lock onto those guys. He's going to those guys and you can tell from the snap. Uh those guys are really really good. KJ Hamler is Penn State's biggest weapon in the passing game and he is probably my favorite player in all of college football. He's the 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 human joystick. He's just electrifying, really, really fun to watch unless he's playing against your team because when he gets the ball and he hits the open field, he's gone. It's the end of the story. Uh, this season, he's got eight touchdowns, 739 yards. He's averaging almost 17 yards per catch, um, and, and he, he's really good at getting yards after the catch. So he's a guy that I'm really worried about going into this game. You know how every year there's like you know, a Saquon Barkley or – a Miles Sanders or a guy that Indiana should be worried about running all over them. That's KJ Hamler this year. Um, I'm terrified that he's going to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown just like Barkley did. And that'll be the end of the story. The other guy for Penn state to watch is Pat Fryermuth. He's the, he's the tight end and he's the other guy who Clifford will lock onto. He's got 392 yards so you know, he hasn't had as many catches as Hamler, so fewer yards. He's averaging about 13 per catch, and but he does have seven touchdowns, which you know shows that he's kind of a, a their big red zone target. I, I think it's safe to say that um, he's a pretty good complement to Hamler in terms of receiving weapons. Hamler, the the speedy slot guy, will get yards after the catch, and Fryermuth, just a big thumper, can make good catches. Um, those two I would really, really be worried about. In the run game, they've got Noah Kane, who I believe has been their starter for most of the season. He was banged up last week and didn't play. Still might be a little banged up this week. Um, he's a solid back. He's not Saquon Barkley or Miles Sanders, obviously, because it's really hard to be those guys. But he's a fine back. Not many people heard those guys. Yeah, no, he's a fine back overall. And then they also have Journey Brown, who started last week, played well last week. The the two of them together, if you combine their production as Penn State's top two backs, they've ran for about 800 yards and 11 touchdowns, which is pretty good. So uh, you kind of have to pick your poison with this Penn State team. You, you kind of you can't take away everything. You can limit certain things, um, and you saw Minnesota do that. I think that the biggest thing that you have to do to shut down this off, you have to make Sean Clifford make mistakes, which is what Minnesota was able to do with the three interceptions. Now, Indiana doesn't have to go out there and pick off three passes. I mean, I wouldn't hurt, but if you can, you know, get an interception, you can force a fumble. Tom Allen stresses takeaways, and that will absolutely be key this weekend, especially on the road in Happy Valley. Um, that's my best guess as to what you can do against this offense. Force turnovers. 
KJ Hamler is definitely the guy that, as you noted in the Q and A, you would hope goes apple picking on Saturday. But as you said, and as Bill noted, the last guy we asked to go apple picking uh, took the opening kickoff for a touchdown and destroyed us. So maybe apple picking isn't what we should be asking them to do. We'll we'll think of something else. KJ Hamler is their biggest uh, their biggest weapon. Um, I have the the ratings backwards. Penn State is 11th in S&P and offense. Their defense is the one that's ranked 8th. Now that also comes a week after Tanner Morgan kind of diced them up. <laughs> um, he finished 18 of 20, 339 yards, three touchdowns. As Bill noted, the run pass option Penn State could not handle, which kind of good news, kind of uh interesting news for Indiana it would be better obviously if Penix was in the game because they do a lot of run pass options but still um that's kind of Indiana's offense uh with with the RPOs it's what Peyton Ramsey's done a lot of and it gives you kind of a playbook uh figuratively and literally for how to handle this Penn State defense um what level of optimism do you have and what IU can do offensively on Saturday well last week the the Nittany Lions secondary was a little banged up and the Gophers were able to take advantage of that now I, I think they'll still be there there a guy or two that's limited might be out this weekend so that's a positive uh I'm pretty optimistic about the Indiana offense versus this Penn State defense, I, I think that Kalen DeBoer is a pretty smart guy. Uh, just landed on the Broyles Award trophy watch list uh, on Wednesday. So it, that's an award that goes out, for those who don't know, to the best assistant in college football. Uh, he's definitely deserving. But I, I think that what Indiana does is somewhat similar to what Minnesota does. Uh, I, I think that the parts are pretty similar too. I, I think that, you know, Tanner Morgan is kind of like a rich man's Peyton Ramsey. Um, I, I don't think that Ramsey is as talented as Morgan is, but they're not terribly dissimilar as passers. Um, same thing kind of with the, the other weapons that Minnesota has. Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman are great receivers. And it, Bill notes that he, he thinks they're better than anybody that Indiana has, but I think that if you look at WAP failure, you look at Nick Westbrook, you look at Donovan Hale, those are guys who can do damage against this Penn State secondary. They can perform pretty well against them. Um, I'm not so sure about the running game. I, I think that the Hoosiers might have to rely on Peyton Ramsey and his receivers to get through this one. Um, and that in and of itself makes me a bit uneasy, but I, I think that it's, it's, there's a good reason to be optimistic about what the Hoosiers can do offensively against Penn State. Yeah, last week, uh, Minnesota only had 121 yards rushing on 40 carries. The rush defense for Penn State is still really good. And that was a Minnesota team averaging 195 per game. Well, that's what they're averaging this season. Um, so well below their average. I guess the, I mean, it does worry me. Indiana isn't a team that has run the ball particularly well anyway this season. 
All right, uh, say for the last couple of weeks, as we noted last week, Stevie Scott has got on track a little bit, but I think what is encouraging to me is, as Bill noted, um, as you kind of saw in the game, those quick passes to spread out the ball to open guys are what Penn State struggled with, and that has been Ramsey's bread and butter this year, and really that offense is bread and butter. Get the ball out, get it to the skill guys, and let them uh, break guys down. Honestly, after kind of watching a bit of that game Saturday, um, I'm much more optimistic than I thought I would be going into this. Um, I thought pretty much all, all year I I just had this marked down as a, a loss without any chance. I still think they lose, but I'm willing to take off that without any chance part. Um, this is pretty perfectly set up to be the frustrating loss against a ranked team game of the year um, because I think Indiana can hang with this team, but I also think this is going to be a shootout where Indiana won't be able to get enough stops down the stretch um, to give the offense a chance to stay in the game or win the game. Um, so before we go to break, what is your prediction for the game on Saturday? I think that the Hoosiers will give them a better game than Vegas thinks, than I'm sure many people think. Um, I, I think that at some point, maybe late third quarter, early the fourth quarter, it's a one-possession game, maybe a, a three-point game, and then Indiana blows it in classic fashion, and somehow we end up with an 11, 10, 11 point game that doesn't feel like an 11 point game afterwards. I'll say Penn State 35, Indiana 24. Um, that, that feels about right. I, I think that Indiana will look good, but they won't be able to pull it out. So that was pretty close to what SP had. SP has this projected margin at 11.1. Um, rounded up, they predict the final score to be 34-22. Um, and as you said, Vegas right now has Penn State minus 14.5, which, as we noted, Bill uh, immediately told everybody to hammer that line. Um, I wasn't as quick to jump on that line. In typical fashion, I'm kind of talking myself into it this week. I still think we lose by... More than one possession, but not by uh, more than 14. Kind of in that 9, 10, 11 point sweet spot that we always seem to find ourselves in against ranked teams. Uh, very similar to what we did against Michigan State this year. I think that'll be a, pretty much a, a mirror image of how this game will go. So I think this is going to be really high scoring. I'll call it 41-30, something along those lines. Um with Indiana losing pretty much as you said. They'll keep it close, uh, fall behind by a couple scores, and won't be able to get enough stops. So I do think there's plenty of reason for optimism. If you would have asked me last week or two weeks ago, I would have predicted this to be uh, much closer to a 20-point loss than a 10-point loss. So um, it should be a fun game. Uh, it's a top 25 battle. I didn't even mention that. So... It's the first time in at least 25 years. I didn't look up when we had a 
a game against another ranked team as a top 25 team, but first time in at least 25 years we've had a top 25 game. So just that alone um, is exciting. It's an exciting time for, for IU football. So uh, we will take our quick break and come back, wrap up a couple other things about other sports going on, and uh, give you an idea of what's ahead for IU sports. All right, so we're going to first start with something we talked about a lot last week. The women's basketball team uh, lived up to some of the hype that we gave them um, and absolutely battered Nickel State. Uh, they did what the men's team hasn't really been able to do too much. Uh, they were up 62-17 to 17 at halftime. Uh, 88 to 29 after the end of three and won 111 to 47. Those are staggering numbers. Um, they shot 66, or no, that was the first quarter, 63% from the field. Um, they were absolutely dominant. I didn't, and I don't think many people did get to watch this game, but I, I have looked at the box score. Did you have any kind of big takeaway from um, from this game at all? Just look at all the depth, man. I, I mean, five different Hoosiers scoring in double digits, two of them coming off the bench to do so. Then you've also got Grace Berger, who scored nine. You've got Jory Allen scoring nine. Hannah Novoroski scoring eight. So, you know, a couple baskets away from, like, seven eight Hoosiers scoring 10 points in the same game, which is absolutely ridiculous. And we spoke a lot about the depth last week, and it came through. It showed itself. Um, the leading scorer was Mackenzie Holmes, freshman, coming off the bench to score 22, which is tremendous. I mean, she went 9 for 9 from the field, 4 for 5 from the line. Be- because she was so great, she was Big Ten Freshman of the Week. And I-, I think that that gives you a lot of optimism to know that there are pieces like that coming off the bench for Terry Morin's team. Yeah, I can't speak enough. I don't want to dive too deep into what all we talked about last week. But uh this team is crazy deep and will continue to be crazy deep. Um, they play Sunday against Jackson State, another game that should be a blowout. Um, again, only on BTM Plus. That'll be the last time you can watch them at home until uh, early December. Um, they go to Gainesville, have a trip to the Paradise Jam. Um, they'll be in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, which will be a little easier to watch, ACC Network, and then they return home in December. Um, so it's your last chance to see them in person. For about three weeks, if you have a chance on Sunday, go out and watch them. Because, again, just like we were kind of talking up the football team uh, at the beginning of the year, this girl, this women's basketball team is also uh, really, really legit. Um, the men's team, I'm going to be honest here. We've said it a couple times. I haven't watched a game yet. I can't get excited about this team, and it's not even a bit. I'm just... A lot of it is I'm just excited about what the football team is doing right now, and there isn't enough reason for me to get excited about this basketball team right now for me to, to be honest, to particularly care right now. Um, 
I did not watch either of the games this week. I did a little bit of uh, scoreboard watching or box score watching. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really watch anything. Uh, do you have any takeaways from the Portland State or North Alabama games? Um, well, Indiana's gotten through three games of the terrible non-conference schedule without suffering an embarrassing, disheartening loss. So it's three down, four to go, and then they finally get to real actual games. So I guess check back in after the Indiana Challenge when they play, I don't know, a team that probably starts one of us at center. Um, huh. and I'm going to use the rest of, I'm going to use the rest of my time where I'm supposed to talk about the men's basketball team to mention that the women's team is ranked 21st in the nation, which is the highest that they've ever been ranked. And it's really cool. I'm 100% for that. Uh, yeah, the men's team by Ken Palm ranking, here are their first five games. Uh, 313 Western Illinois, 272 Portland State, 288 North Alabama, 291 Troy, 222 Princeton. They have a just incredibly tough game against the 90th rank Louisiana Tech and then play 197th South Dakota State. Um, that has a big factor in how not excited I am about this team because these are a bunch of just ridiculous games. Tom Crean took a lot of flack for his schedule. They put in a clause for Archie Miller to not do this, and he said, screw that. I don't even want that money. I want the wins, which I think we talked about it on here. I know we've talked about it. On one hand, I don't blame him because the selection committee has said we don't really care how you got your wins. We just value wins. So on that regard, cool, go for it. But uh I don't have any interest whatsoever. December 3rd against Florida State will probably be the first time I tune into a game um, because that's the first time they play somebody ranked higher than 90th. Um, and then at that point, they go into the conference schedule. So, And at that point, I, that'll be after the football regular season will end. We'll have a, con- or a bowl game to eventually talk about. But that'll be about the time I tune into these games. I'm sorry. As we've said before, if you want basketball coverage, IDS, IUS TV, both do a great job of uh, – of covering those teams, go to their websites. They have podcasts. They have all kinds of content you can get uh, about this team, um, and we will eventually bring that to you, but not anytime soon. Uh, last thing to talk about: the men's soccer team, as we figured they would, uh, beat Ohio State on Sunday two nothing. Um, before we talk about the rematch with. Maryland, uh, give me a, a quick breakdown. It was a little hairy, that game, for a while. It was one nothing for a while, and they finally put the game away late. Uh, what Was that just the main thing with, uh, with this game? Yeah, I mean, a couple weeks ago, Indiana played Ohio State on senior night and just absolutely took them to the woodshed 5-1. This time around, things were a bit more interesting, as you alluded to. It was nil-nil for a while, then Josh Penn in the 42nd minute finally found the back of the net, and that kind of gave Hoosier fans a little spot to exhale, but then it sat at one-nil for a long time, and I know that I kept checking, I was like, eh, have they scored again, is it two-nil yet, because I thought that it was kind of going to be a cakewalk, 
Uh, it took until the 85th minute. AJ Palazzolo found the back of the net and that was that. 2-0. Dosa zero. Game over. Um, obviously it wasn't the strongest performance they've had. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're complaining about a 2-0 win, you're probably pretty good. Indiana is pretty good. Um, but that's more or less the gist of it. It, it was a shaky 2-0 win if such a thing exists. It's still nice considering where this team has kind of struggled at times this year to get a clean sheet, especially in a Big Ten tournament game, um, which sets up, as we talked about last week, Maryland beat Northwestern one nothing, um, as we kind of anticipated that they would, 70th minute goal, and it sets up a, a rematch. Um, the rematch, I don't necessarily know that IU wanted, but, uh, it's the one they're gonna get. Um, a rematch of last year's semifinal, which IU won on PKs. A rematch of last year's, uh, Final Four game, which IU lost. As we said last week, it has been quite a while since IU has beat Maryland. October 12th of last year. So a year and a month in counting. Um, we talked a little bit about it this regular season and last week, but what does IU have to do differently this time to get past Maryland? I, I think that when you look at these two teams matching up, you have to remember that this is a completely new Indiana team, more or less. Um, a lot of the players who are out, out on the pitch in Cream and Crimson – weren't there in the, the semifinal last year, the College Cup semifinal. So, honestly, their biggest point of reference is earlier this season when they went down to College Park and, and they got handed a 3-0 loss. I think that that was an enormous turning point for this Hoosier squad. Um, I, I think it kind of made them look at themselves, reflect a little bit, and try to figure out how they could improve. Since then, they've been great. I mean, they haven't lost since they, they've only, they've only won by one goal one time since that Maryland game. Every other game has been 5-1, 3 5-1, 2-0. It's been a pretty strong run for the Hoosiers since they suffered that loss. I, I think that this team probably, they might want Maryland, honestly. They go down to College Park with a chance to redeem themselves. I think that all they have to do is they just they have to be more efficient in the way that they play offense. They can't be turning the ball over. They have to be cashing in on their chances. They have to, you know, just they just have to play good soccer. They have to play the way that they're capable of playing. I would expect them to win this match. Uh, I'm sh- I know that they expect themselves to win this match because they expect themselves to win every match because that's the kind of program that Indiana is. But I, I think that this is definitely something to be excited about. Um, should be a good match. And if the Hoosiers can win, that would be a huge boost for them. Um, obviously, going to the Big Ten Championship match for the second year in a row. And also... Um, it would be a big boost to their NCAA tournament resume as well because they would have avenged what's probably their worst loss this season. Um, it is going to be interesting. Um, 
This is yeah. They've only lost I think twice this year. I was looking to make sure. Um, yeah. Butler game and then the Maryland game. So yeah, it's definitely their worst loss. Um, but as you mentioned, the other thing is that this is a home game for uh, Maryland, which adds a little another layer to it. Um, this will be on the Fox Sports app uh, for those that have it. It'll be on, I believe, on BTN. Uh, it'll be okay. So yeah, it'll be streamed live on the Fox Sports app. Delayed until midnight on BTN on Friday. Um, this is the game that you want to watch. Uh, for those of you that have listened to us talk about this team all season and haven't got a chance to tune in, this is the game to tune in because this is going to be a big one. Um, this will be a Maryland team too. I mean, they, they're ranked 22nd. I would imagine that they are probably safely in the tournament. But it's a Maryland team that's trying to fight to improve its own resume. They struggled a lot this season um, at home. This is going to be a huge test for, as we mentioned all year, a really young Indiana team. Um, this, Unless they get to the College Cup, this is probably the biggest uh, test they will have this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this young team responds to that. Um, and to see if they learned anything from the last time they were in College Park. So, they will play Friday if they win. Big Ten title game is Sunday um, at 2 p.m. on BTN. They will play Indiana-Maryland winner. will play the Michigan-Penn State winner. Um, it'll be an interesting weekend, so... I implore you guys to tune into that game. If you're not tuning into the uh, Big Ten title game, if I was in it Sunday, I hope you're at the women's basketball game. Um, and hopefully it is a, another really exciting weekend for Indiana sports. We could walk away with a huge top 25 win and a Big Ten title, another one, at the end of this weekend. So exciting time for IU sports. Um That'll do it for us this week. Uh, as always, thank you, Austin, for joining me. If you guys haven't already, subscribe, leave a rating and review, and uh, continue to help us out with with this podcast. Um, so, yeah, for Austin, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everyone.